wondering where is JD and Claudette? <laughs> so uh, JD and Claudette are ministers in the church. Uh, they are in Florida. Uh, JD is actually uh, conducting a wedding for one of the, his friends, and he is also there because his mom is doing a cataract, uh, is having a cataract surgery. So he just wants to be there, and he will be back on Tuesday. So yeah, he'll be back. Amen. Uh, I don't know if you saw the video driving over there, the, the uh, tornado that they were uh, seeing, the flip cars and all of that. Uh, but man, it was, uh, it was crazy. And we'll be glad to have him back. So let's go ahead and uh, go, go to the... I have charts. I need charts because uh, I can't focus without... Okay, so how to read the Bible. That is, this is the, the series that JD is doing, How to Read the Bible. And this is week number two. Last week, he talked about how Jesus is the Word of God. And I hope you guys had uh, an incredible message, uh, points from that and took away some stuff. Caveat, I don't know why I'm teaching this, because I am not a scholar. I have no formal training in, in teaching this Word. I'm sure John is laughing. It's like, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I am what you would call an unschooled ordinary man, amen, and teaching this how to read the Bible. Uh, there is no formal training. I don't have an MDiv, uh, PhD, or anything like that. I'm going to stumble through this. And uh, But, you know, one thing I learned about the Bible, and I think uh, uh, Marty Solomon said this in the podcast, it's a discovery. You know, uh, the way that the uh, Middle Eastern uh, culture back then when they read a text, they're, try, they're discovering something, right? It's not just a textbook. There is a nugget of great stuff that you can discover, and you really have to be, you really have to be thinking and, and uh, figuring out what it is. Okay, so uh, takeaway. So you will remember, according to research, you will remember maybe, what, 10 15% of what I say today? What is it? Lower than that, 5%? Okay. So, if there's one thing you want to take away, if you, you can forget everything I said except for this. You can, re, you, you can uh, uh, if, if you can, I'm, I'm going to post this chart like four times because that's, that's the only thing I want you to remember. You can forget everything else, else I say for the rest of the for lesson. But this is what I want you to get today. It is God that reveals the meaning of the scriptures. Okay, that is that's it. That I can I can sit down if I if you you walk away today and say that's what I remember from the sermon. Yeah, I, I've done my job. You know, it's a, <laughs> what God sent me to do. Uh, there there was a story in Luke chapter twenty four about two men. This is after Jesus has resurrected. Two men were talking about uh, the resurrection and and well, well the the crucifixion and and what's happened with Jesus and kind of re reflecting on what happened. And they're talking about the Old Testament, and they didn't understand. And Jesus started walking with them uh, after he resurrected, and they didn't recognize Jesus. I think this is on the, they call it on the road to Emmaus, where two, uh, two. And then at the end, he says, then he opened their minds so that they can understand the scriptures. Revelation comes from God. Okay, and I'm going to hit that on as, as far as uh, uh, listening to sermons, podcasts, books, personal devotionals. I'm going to 
continue to hit this point over and over again, the meaning of the scriptures comes from God. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6 to 19, it says, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. It is His Spirit who reveals the meaning of the scriptures. Okay? So I can sit down now, but uh, that would be a short service. So I'm going to keep going. All right. Next, next one. I don't have a clicker, so I have to keep saying uh, next. Okay. So beware of hermeneutics. That's a big word for me even. Uh, I think that's the way you say it. Uh, hermeneutics is basically the interpretation of the Bible. Why, why do I say beware? So uh, there, there's a lot. Yeah. So even here, as, I, as I'm talking today, when I read the scripture, that is the Bible. But after I read the scripture, anything I, I say after that is hermeneutics. It's everything else I say is from what I interpret based on my own experiences, based on my own background, based on what's happened you know, with me. I can tell you my hermeneutics may have been different from Thursday because yesterday... Like Drew was saying, man, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. Family life is difficult. Uh, I just had a, big, I, I had a big blowout with some of my kids yesterday, and I lost my temper. I didn't deal with things as, as I should have. They were yelling and screaming, and, and I was like, so the message that I have may be different from when I had Thursday because my, my, my mindset is different. So just beware of that. Just be, be uh, uh, beware of that. Beware of other people's hermeneutics. You know, when, when, when you hear a podcast, when you hear of uh, uh, books and, and commentaries, those are people's interpretation based on the experiences that God had given, given them. It's, I'm not saying it's wrong, but that is what the Spirit gave them at the time of their life. You may, God may be giving you something different. Amen? Um, Along with this is, be careful, though, of relative truths, okay? Relative truths is saying, well, this is my truth. I appreciate Aaron Graves reading the scriptures, that, and that's his truth, and this is my truth. That is, a, that is tempting, but it's not true. Now, you got to research, research it out because that's my interpretation, too. So that, that could be wrong, too, right? So... There is absolutely a correct and incorrect way of interpreting the Bible. So, and, and that's where, and I'll tell you how, how, how you can figure that out. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, you can't read some other scripture and say, well, this scripture tells me that I can get to heaven without Jesus. I can tell you my opinion, that is an incorrect interpretation of the Bible. If you come out of your quiet times or devotional and say, well, uh, this scripture, this sin, I can focus more on that and I can and, and focus less on this. That is an incorrect way of interpreting the Bible. And if you if you come out within your quiet time and say, I can work out my salvation, that is that. Is, so that just be very careful of relative. Truth. People are saying, well, that's your truth when you read it, and this is my truth when you read it. There is no, there is no such thing. Okay. The other thing I want you to beware, there's a lot of beware, because when you're looking for, when you go on a treasure hunt like the Bible, there's a lot of warning signs, right? And I'm trying to be, be, beware of selective indignance. Okay, so what is that? What is that? It's something that, okay, 
Remember when Jesus was in the temple and he saw people taking advantage of selling doves and selling and making money, profiting from the temple? What did he do? He was indignant. It's like, how dare you get this, you know, you turn my father's house into a marketplace. He was indignant in the way that people were treating the temple of God. Now, what we can do is we can have selective indignance when we read the Bible, right? We go, my goodness, homosexuality is bad. It is sinful. But then we look at heterosexual sin and we go, we don't say anything about it. Does that make sense? We, we go, wow, uh, lying and theft is so awful. But greed, we don't say anything about that. It's, they're equally as bad. You know what I'm saying? Murder, oh my gosh, it is so bad. Well, racism is, is equally as bad. Do we say anything about that? So we got to be careful of selective indignance when we read the Bible because to God, all things are equal. There's not one scripture that's more important than the other. So uh, so beware. Those are the things I want you to beware. So how do you combat that? How do you beware? Okay, next next one. A Berean zeal. Okay, oops. That thing kind of hit the... Uh, anyways. So you got to have a Berean heart. So in Acts chapter 17, verse 10 to 22. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to a Jewish, Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures to see, that's behind that picture, to see what, if what Paul said was true. Okay? you got to have a Berean heart. When you're when you're starting to hear my hermeneutics, which is after I read the Bible and I start to say, this is what I think it means, your ears should perk up and say, okay, I need to examine what Darius is saying. I need to see if that's true, if that is consistent with the scriptures. They were of noble character because, first of all, they were eager, right? They were eager. Okay, I want to hear what the Bible says. There should be a sense of eagerness of hearing the word of God talked about. And then you need to examine. Make it your own. Okay? Um, if two, three weeks from now we're saying, well, this is what J.D. said in his preaching or Darius said in his message. So have you made that your own conviction, right? Or is it still what the minister has taught you about? So Because you need to make it your own. You need to make it your own conviction. Because what did Jesus say to Peter when Peter said, hey, what about him? What he says, what, what, who do you say I am, right? What about you? What is your conviction telling you? So, well, this, you know, this is what's going on in the church, and, you know, this is what the teachings here, and this is, well, what do you say? In your examination of the scriptures, what do you say? Okay, so I'm going to make some claims and hermeneutics and interpretations that you may disagree or agree with. You will. I, I, you may. I, I mean, and that's a, that's a caveat here. All right, next chart. All right, so how should I read the Old Testament? Uh, I'm going to hit this real quick because it, it gets into uh, a very scholarly, and I'm not that scholarly guy. Uh, 
Um, it, it, it is some of the notes that JD taught me, so it's uh, so I got to put it in there. All right, how should I read the Old Testament? Um, so Matthew five seventeen says, Jesus. This is Jesus talking. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. All right, uh, but to fulfill them. Okay, so let's. Uh, so what did Jesus say? Hey, so what, what is the law and the prophets? So that's the Old Testament, right? Because people were accusing Jesus of throwing away the Old Testament and coming up with new teachings. And Jesus said, I did not do that. I have come. Now, what did Jesus do is, I have come to fulfill them, you know? So I'm going to give you some uh, pictures here on the next. Uh, okay. So there's some renovations at work uh, going on, especially in Detroit. So Detroit, there's a, they have a lot of old buildings. That's one of them on the uh, top left. It's the uh, Strand Theater and Pontiac, Pontiac Mission. I think that's near Detroit. Uh, I think that was uh, early 1900s, the building, but they had to, it was, uh, it was falling apart. You know, things, paints were peeling, you know, uh, plumbing and all that stuff were going bad. So they had to do some renovations. The Book Tower in Detroit, Michigan, that's another one, I think, uh, 1800s, it was developed. They had to renovate uh, because there's, there could be a lot of dangers with the uh, with the existing building. All right. Hey, so what? Hey, let me give you a quiz. What about that bottom one? What, what do you think that is? Yeah, that's around the corner. That's the Quiet Dale Mansion. That is the Quiet Dale Mansion. That is, if you go out there and look. If you go, you step out in the uh, uh, the lobby, look over there. That is the Quietdale Mansion. It was developed in 18, uh, early 1800s, I think. And um, they had to renovate it, uh, tear down some stuff. And that's what it looks like in the inside. I think they're going to open it as a wedding venue beginning in 2024, uh, fall of 2024. But that's just around the corner. It took a while. I mean, it took a lot of money and and, and thanks to, to renovate that building. But it was a it, it was an old plantation. It's got a lot of history behind it. The easy thing to do is just tear it down and start all over. But the people who invested on are investing in it want to uh, renovate it and make it a, uh, a meeting place. Okay, so how does that relate to what we're talking about? Uh, next next one. So Jesus fulfilled the Old, old Testament. Um, he he looks... Jesus took the Old Testament, and he's renovating it, okay? He's, 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 he's confirming some uh, and making some obsolete and making some still applicable, amen? So one of the things that uh, I think there's a, about 600, I, I read this book long, long time ago. It's called How to Read the Bible for All, for All Its Work, and they said, there's about 612 commandments or 613 commandments in the Bible from Old and New Testament. And only 10 was reaffirmed. You know what, what, you know what 10 was reaffirmed in the New Testament? The Ten Commandments. So those are the only thing that Jesus reaffirmed as still valid in today in how we should interpret it, right? Uh, and so out of the 600, it, it's it's incredible. Again, don't take my word for it. You need to have a Berean heart and go study this out, okay? All right. So how did Jesus fulfill the Old Testament, the Messianic hope? 
of uh, redemption for the whole world. Uh, again, there was about, man, there's over 500 prophecies of Jesus and the Messiah and his coming, all the way from Micah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, even Genesis, Deuteronomy, so much prophecy about a coming king of kings, Emmanuel, Messiah, that will redeem not only the nation of Israel, but the whole world. Redeem them from their sins. And Jesus said, I am here to fulfill that. So, and even Jesus in his first sermon, he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Okay? Uh, the, the whole system of sacrificial system. Uh, the idea there in the Old Testament is if you sin, the only way that you can be forgiven is something has to die. The only thing that you can be redeemed is something has to die. And uh, the scripture says the life of, of something is in its blood. So something had to be killed and blood had to be spilled. And Jesus, when Jesus came, he came and fulfilled that for the ultimate sacrifice, which is himself. He, had, he was the ultimate sacrifice for us to be redeemed. Something had to die. And in the past, every time they sinned, they had to kill a lamb, came a pigeon, or kill something, and bring it to the altar. We don't have to do that anymore. Amen? Jesus did that once and for all by sacrificing himself as the ultimate sacrifice interprets it and applies it correctly. That's Jesus said that. Uh, in Matthew 5, you remember in the Sermon on the, sermon on the Mount, he said, uh, you have heard that it was said, right? Remember that? He would say that. But then he said, now I tell you, this is really what it means. But I say to you, this is really what it means. You have said that, you know, about divorce, taking an oath, and all that. But he said, well, this is what it really means. And he's, he's improving on it, or he's clarifying what God really meant in the Scripture. And then it, it says, updates and revokes certain teachings. Again, if we, when you read a verse in the Old Testament, you got to go, okay, do I follow it literally? Or do I just look at what is God trying to teach me, right? So when, when God said, Go to this nation, the, the nation of uh, Philistine, and destroy everything, right? Destroy all life, women, children, animals, everything. Do not spare anything, okay? Well, we don't do that literally, right? <laughs> but what is God trying to teach us is that we need to destroy sin completely, right? And, and the same thing with, um, with uh, dealing with children, you know, God, God said, you know, destroy them if they sin against you. But what is God, what, what is the Old Testament telling us that we need to teach them? We need to make sure that we don't exasperate them. Okay, that is my spiel on that. <laughs> so let's talk about personal devotionals. Okay, personal devotionals, there's a lot of words for that. Uh, some people call it quiet times. Uh, some people call it... Um, I don't know. What else do you call personal devotions? You know, there's a lot of uh, meaning for for people uh, uh, for for this. 
how should I read the Bible in my personal devotions? Again, what I'm about to tell you is my own interpretation. This is Darius's based on my own experience, my own, uh, my own background. You need to make it your own. Again, I'm going to go back to this. It is God that reveals the meaning of the scriptures. Okay, I'm going to keep going back to that because that is what I want you to remember at the end of this lesson. All right, next, uh, next one. Okay, pra some practicals. Go to a place where you can listen and start with God. All right. Um, now I notice why I didn't say go to a place that is solitary, even though what, that's what Jesus did. Because some some people may not have a solitary place, you know, like a single mom with with multiple kids. It is hard to go to a, you know leave your house barely in the morning and uh, all right, kids, uh, <laughs> you know, make sure you get some food, right? It, you know, you can't do that. Uh, but bear, this is what Jesus did. I'm, I'm just telling you what Jesus did, and there are some good practicals in that. Verily early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark chapter 1, 35. Okay, let's talk about verily early in the morning. Uh, he started out with God. He started out with God. I, and I thought, okay, now comes the hermeneutics. Why is that? Why, why did Jesus start with God? Because to me, we're, we are about to go about our day. We're going to interpret the world based on our, where our mindset is. We're always interpreting the world. We're going to interpret how our failures are, our interactions with people, how people treat us, the standard of how we, how we view the news, the political conflict that is going on, how we see different things, we're going to interpret it based on some standard. And it's either your standard or God's standard, right? And I think Jesus, he started it out because he wants God's standard. He wants to be able to go out and interpret the world according to God's standard and not the worldly standard. Amen? While it was still dark, Jesus got up. Okay, we can talk about all that, but I'm not going to get into that. Left the house and went out to a solitary place where he prayed. So he went, he, he looked for a place where he can listen. Listen to God. Where he started out with God. Now I say started out with God because a lot of times, and I'm, I've been there, I wake up, pick up the phone, start scrolling through the iPhone. The news feeds that are coming up, right? Or I, uh, I, I turn on the TV or I, I, or I pick up, immediately pick up a book, a spiritual book even, that I started reading. Or a commentary. Or a, uh, a podcast. Start listening to a podcast. My opinion, my thing is that we need to start with the Bible, right? We need to start with the Bible and not somebody else's hermeneutics. That's why we got to beware. Um, sermons, commentaries, books, and podcasts galore. Man, there are so many things to go in, to go by. So many. 
you can what topic do you want to learn about the Bible? Google it and you will find more than 10 or 15. You're struggling with greed? Man, there's probably a hundred of them. Commentaries, Matthew Henry, you know, Spurgeon's, and, uh, and there's so many more. Not even that, but translations. There are so many, so many things, books. And, I, hey, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying they're – I use them also, but it does not replace the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because where does interpretation – where does – where does the meaning of the, uh, the scripture, where do you get it from God? He gives you the meaning of the scriptures. Amen? Um, all right. So the, after that, wait. Wait. Read the Bible, pray, and wait. Wait, what is God telling you? What, what is, this takes approaching the Bible not in an intellectual or scholarly method, but you're waiting for a message from the Holy Spirit to tell you how you should be transformed. The temptation for this is, oh, I don't know what this means, so I'm going to Google it and, and read five commentaries on this. No, I would, I would encourage you, wait. Be silent. Listen. Think about your experiences. Think about, have you ever, um, so I've been a Christian for about 28 years, baptized in 1995. And, uh, and the message, you read the same scripture, and the message is different based on where you are in your life. I've read scriptures when I was, it, it was different when I was in campus ministry, singles ministry, married without kids. Uh, and married with kids. It takes on a whole, God, the Spirit gives you a different meaning for each one. And have you ever, we go, you read the Bible because based on your what you're going through and go, wow, this is awesome. And you share it with somebody and they go, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, <laughs> that's an awesome scripture. And I go, why aren't you as excited as I am about Because... That's not what the Spirit is telling them right now. That message is for you. That message is for you at the moment in your life. It's not for them right now. Now, it could be that they could resonate with it. And it's still good to share. So they go, wow, that's the same thing I'm going through. But um, God reveals the message of the Scriptures. Now, it could be that God can reveal the meaning through commentaries, through podcasts. That could be true also. But I would wait for the Holy Spirit to tell you what's happening. You know, to, what is the meaning of the, the scripture? All right, so after you're waiting, you need to listen. All right? Um, listen. Now, there's a, lot of, there's, a, there's a lot of obstacles to listen. Drew talked about some of them. Sin in your life. Man, it is hard to listen to what God's trying to tell you when there is unrepentant, unconfessed sin in your life. The Spirit is trying to tell you something, but the sin is just can't, it's preventing you from listening. The, the Spirit's trying to tell you a meaning. It is right there, 
All you have to say is, you know, I confess. And it's amazing when you start saying those words, I confess, I surrender. And all this flood of revelations from God comes in. You know, an obstacle of listening is pride. Approaching the Bible and say, you know, how can I enhance my knowledge today? You know, that is indeed a very good scripture. And I should, it's enlightening me. How do you, it's, or I already know that scripture. What possibly can I learn from that? I've already read through it. I'm just going to go by it. I read that a hundred times in my 30 years as a Christian life. There's nothing else I could do. So that is an obstacle to listening. An obstacle to other listening is bitterness. Have you ever had a quiet time or a devotional where you had bitterness towards somebody or some uh, animosity with others? It, how hard is that? You don't even want to do it because, like, how am I? I, I'm not getting, have you ever read the Bible and you read it like, you read the same passage like five times and go, what did I just read? I read it five times, I just can't get anything out of it. There is something blocking you from listening to what the Spirit is telling you, you know? Um, and uh, again, different, the Scripture, the Holy Spirit will give you different meanings using the same scriptures at different times based on what you're going through. Okay? That is, again, that's my hermeneutics. That is what I gather based on my experience. You need to research that out. Please don't take that as gospel. That is an absolute truth for all because you may interpret it differently. But that's what I see is that the Spirit is trying to tell you something. I remember... So I remember having a, I was going through a very tough time in my life, either I, uh, several tough times in my life, either I've had, uh, I lost my job or, or, or something, and it was, it was rough. And then I had a quiet time, and the same scripture I've read hundreds of times, new meaning came, like, like, wow. And I started journaling that one passage. I started journaling about what it means and how it's applicable and how God loves me and, and all that. And I started, I started all these flood of revelations came to my heart. And this is awesome. And, and a lot, again, a lot of times you're more, it, it is easier to listen when you come to God bankrupt. You go, I have nothing. I offer nothing. I don't know anything. I am sinful, and I'm waiting for God to tell me what I need to do. But if you come in with pride, with go, I am a master of divinity scholar. If you come in with pride, and I have been reading the Bible, I've read the Bible over and over for a million times. If you come in with pride, you are preventing the Holy Spirit to tell you what the meaning is for your exact point in your life. So that, that is, again, that's my experience as a, as a uh, reading the Bible is you need to listen and you need to make sure you get rid of any distractions uh, while listening to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Uh, all right, let's see. What's, what's next? Okay, be transformed. Okay. Uh, I know it's very, 
it's very noble to, to go, okay, my goal is to read the Bible, the whole Bible for the whole year. That, that's a good thing to do. But if it's not transforming you, you may reconsider another way of approaching the Bible, right? The goal is not knowledge. The goal is a changed heart, right? Um, if your goal is I'm going to, uh, you know, yeah, whatever it is, you need to make sure you're transformed. And you need to make sure you're having, so quiet time is a misnomer. It should be a noisy time, right? <laughs> you should be struggling with the scripture. You should be, you, you should be, uh, uh, God should be able to challenge your, okay, another, an another obstacle to listening to God is our traditions, right? Our prior teachings, because we may have grown up for the last, all of our lives thinking one scripture means one thing, and then God challenges that, and we go, that is hard to accept. Are you open to that? Are you going to listen to what the Spirit is tugging at you to do, or are you going to ignore it because that is inconsistent with how you were raised or what you were taught in the past? So be transformed. Like, is this scripture only enhancing your personal edification? Uh, yeah, I remember when I studied the Bible in 1994 when I started studying with 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 the guys. I was an engineering student, and I go, you know what? I want to be. I'm in college. I want to be enlightened. You know, so I'll, I'll read the Bible with you guys. You know, I want to know more. But it's uh, but it's to add to the knowledge that I already have. Very frightening. Very arrogant in my own approach. You know. And um, thank God the Holy Spirit humbled me out to go, wow, I did not know that that's what the Bible means. I did not know. And, and, uh, and there's various parts of my life where I can be arrogant and prideful in the Bible to go, I know what it means, or you can't tell me what it means, or how dare this young brother who's only been a Christian for one year, share with me what, what it means. I've been a Christian for 30 years. Uh, I should be teaching you. Oh, my goodness. The pride and arrogant can be is overwhelming because God used different people at different times. A young brother or young sister can come to you and say, hey, this is what I think it means. You need to listen. Because that could be God sending that brother, unschooled ordinary men or women, telling you something that you need for your time. That is a messenger from God. Okay? So be transformed. Is it transforming you into a butterfly? Right? Is it, trans is it changing? Are you changing? Uh, so um, I remember one time uh, I was out on the porch. Uh, of the church, and it was after midweek service, and the kids were running around, and I was getting irritated and annoyed because now I have to chase them around. So, so it, it was Reese and Ellie just running around. They were, you know, they're going down the, you know, the the handicap uh, thing, the ramp. They were going around, and then they, and then they were um, 
And then they're climbing up the stairs, and then they're going around. They're just chasing each other and screaming and, and yelling and have a good time. And, and then my annoyance turned into delight. Like, wow, this is awesome. They're just having fun, this meaningless activity, right? <laughs> they're just having fun. <laughs> but, you know, now I could stop them because uh, go, as a parent, go through a lot of things go through your mind. If they stumble, hit themselves, i got to go run to the ER, it's very inconvenient. Because I've been to the ER many times. And there goes my day, there goes my night, and then my week. All right. So, but... Okay, I thank goodness I didn't stop because I was just watching them running around, you know, screaming and yelling, and they were just like having fun, just having fun. And then I read the scripture in Matthew, I mean, Psalms chapter 18. It says, uh, He rescued me because He delighted in me. I'm like, wow. Jesus rescued you, not. Because he just delighted in you. He just wants to watch you enjoy your life. Enjoy the life that he has given you. He delighted in you. It's not because you are worth it. It's not because you're doing things. It's not because you are, you know, a song leader or a kid's kingdom worker or a preacher or whatever. He rescued you because he delighted in you. And that kind of, I looked at my, with, with Reese and Ellie, and that's what, I delighted just watching them run around, is enjoying the life, the freedom, no guilt, just the enjoyment they have as a, as a child. And I think that's why God said, you got to have a heart to surpass the Pharisees, you got to have a heart like a child. Because God, in, in that scripture, I've read it many times, and it took on a different meaning to me. Because now I can go, wow, God delights in me. He enjoys watching me. Just having, enjoying my family. He's enjoying, I'm, I don't have to perform. I don't have to, you know, do all these activities. I don't have to get it right all the time. Because my son Reese doesn't get it right all the time. You know, I don't, I don't have to be perfect. I'm a mumbler. I'm a grumbler. I'm a sinful human being. But God just delights in me and watches over me. And that took unto me a different, whole different meaning. Before I was a kid, when I was a single, I don't know if I would have known what that means. Right? When I was in campus ministry, I don't think I would have known the depth. Now you could go intellectually. You can make some some logical um, connections, logical links. We go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't really know the depth of how God feels until you have your children, and go, I delight because I delight in my children. I look at Noel, Kai, Rome, Vienna, Trey, and Reese, and I just delight. I love watching them. I love watching them stumble. I love watching them have victories and failures. And that's the same way. And I felt like I was transformed just by that because I had a, my faith was was increased, right? All right. I think we're, uh, all right. So 
takeaway. Forget, if you forget everything I said, and remember one thing, it is God that reveals the meaning of the scriptures. All right? It's not the sermons. It's not, it could be, it could be, but it's not a replacement of the Holy Spirit trying to tell you the meaning. Wait, wait, wait and listen for God to tell you what the scripture means. God is the one who reveals. Okay, so this is also applicable in studying the Bible with people, right? A lot of times we are very concerned about how we present the scriptures when studying the Bible with people. We have to be like Paul, you know, reason with them, rationalize with them, you know, depend on, you know, present the Bible in different ways, you know, make incredible analogies, you know, capture their attention, capture. We make it very complicated, right? It feels like we got to bring in some commentaries. We got to bring in this. We got to bring in that so that they can understand the gospel. Keep in mind, God won't give them the meaning if he doesn't intend to. You can do all you can to study with them, but until God opens their minds, they won't understand it. Okay? Until God opens somebody's minds and allows them to understand, they will not understand. No matter how smart, how talented you are, if you are, no matter how school, formal education you have, no amount of cajoling, reasoning, debating is going to help them. Until God reveals the message. Amen? All right, so what is the next one? Next, uh, is that the last one? All right. So, um, Dad, please remember that. All right? Let's pray. Let's pray. God, teach us. Teach us, Father, to be corrected, to be rebuked, to be trained, to be taught by your scriptures. Open our minds, Father, so that we can understand and reveal the mysteries of your scriptures. Reveal to us what you want. Help us to wait. Help us to listen to your Holy Spirit who reveals the meaning to us. Help us to have the heart of a Berean to examine the scriptures every day. To be eager to read the Bible. Father, please keep J.D. and Claudette safe in their travels. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.